Hi everyone, it's Adam from Monkey Tennis here. Just saying a huge thank you to all of you that have supported my charity appeal uh, so far. For those that haven't heard about it, this September I'm going to be swimming uh, 15 kilometres uh, between five islands in Cornwall. Uh, I'll be swimming the Isles of Scilly. That's Scilly, S-C-I-L-L-Y. Um, I'm doing it because I want to, but also to raise money for Calm, the campaign against living miserably. It's a well-known statistic that 125 people in the UK die by suicide every week, and Calm run a free and confidential helpline for people to speak through their problems and ultimately to help prevent suicides. Um, I'm looking to raise enough money to train two new phone workers um, to man those lines um, and I'll be doing it by swimming the Isles of Scilly in Cornwall. Um, if you're looking to support me, it would be greatly appreciated. Um, you can donate at justgiving.com. Um, just go there and search for Adam Swim Silly. That's Adam Swim Silly, S-C-I-L-L-Y. All donations greatly appreciated. Thank you for helping me to support Calm. And now, on with monkey tennis. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, Nick. Are you bored of drinking big fat shots of Director's Bitter and Ladyboy Chasers at home? Tom, I ruddy bloody am. I'm hopping mad and just want some exciting craft beers to enjoy when I'm watching my Bond videos. That's not too much to ask, is it? Well, have I got some good news for you. The fantastic chaps at Beer52 have given us a special offer they'd like us to share with our listeners. Can I just shock you? I, I like special offers. Do, do tell me more. All you need to do is go to beer52.com forward slash monkey tennis... Cover the postage cost of £5.95 and you'll be sent a box of eight cracking craft beers plus a magazine and two beer-appropriate snacks. Wow, that is a real breath of fresh air. So you're telling me to get a free case of eight unique craft beers from Beer52, I just need to go to beer52.com forward slash monkey tennis and cover the postage costs of £5.95? Yep, it's literally that simple. It really is lovely stuff. Oh, sometimes you want to say, soddle this wine, just give me eight craft beers. And I've really got to say this, Nick, Beer 52 is the world's largest beer club. Mm. Yep, each month members are sent a case with a different theme. Past themes have included Belgium, Korea, California, New Zealand and many more. But what if I don't like dark beers? Ah, they've got that covered too. If you don't like dark beer, you can choose the light beer option. And you can pause or cancel at any time. Simply go to beer52.com forward slash monkey tennis and just pay £5.95 postage to get all this now. Crash bang wallop, what an offer. Eight free beers, a magazine and two snacks for less than £6 postage. Mine's not a pint, mine's a box of eight craft beers. I'll drink to that. 
Hello and welcome to Monkey Tennis episode 127. This week Nick and Tom talk to Coogan superfan and award-winning comedian Suze Kempner. Before we dive into that chat, just a quick note to remind you of all the ways you can get in touch with us here at Monkey Tennis HQ. You can email us on thepartridgepod at gmail.com. You can find us on facebook.com forward slash thepartridgepod. You can find us on Twitter at thepartridgepod. You can find us on Instagram at monkeytennispod. And you can reach Adam Direct on the Monkey Tennis Hotline, which is 07923 600 017. Adam is standing by ready for your call. Although being honest, messages and voice notes via WhatsApp actually work best. We can't stress that enough. Cool if you like, but Adam probably won't pick up the rotten shit. So it's nearly time to set the chat amongst the pigeons this week, but before we do, don't forget there are also two ways you can really help support the show. If you're enjoying our episodes but haven't yet given us a review and a rating on iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, please do do that. It really helps get the show in front of more people. Also, we do find five-star ratings and the most glowing reviews really help most of all. You can also send us the price of a coffee, or something of equivalent value, a big marker pen for example, to show your appreciation for the pod. Just go to ko-fi.com forward slash monkey tennis, where you can buy us a singular coffee, or if you've just come into a substantial amount of money, we certainly wouldn't stop you buying one for the whole team. That's ko-fi.com slash monkey tennis. Anyway, that's enough waffle from me, on with the show. I am hopping mad, and I want something in the middle. Aha! Yep, absolutely. Yep, 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 absolutely. Monkey tennis. Bring, bring. There's a new chat in town. I had the last laugh. Damn! Monkey tennis. Little pierce my foot on his thigh. With a chuckle, with a chuckle. Oh. Monkey tennis. Radical. Awesome. Mega. <laughs> Monkey tennis. Where's my assistant? I do not know. Okay. Monkey tennis. Edmonds is a total wazzard of a guy. Yes, 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 and yes. It's hotter than the sun. They said, who the hell is that? Like, this is great banter. Yeah. Back of the net. Monkey tennis. The people who enjoy Alan Partridge will enjoy this podcast. The people who've never got it still won't get it. Hello, everyone. And this week we are joined by an award-winning stand-up and character comedian, actor, fellow podcast host, graduate of the Royal Academy of Music, 90s video game queen and Olympics enthusiast, Christina Aguilera impersonator, president of the official Dapper Laughs fan club, that one's not true, and has described (laughs) Steve Coogan as the single biggest influence on her comedy career. Hello, welcome and aha to Suze Kempner. Uh, Aha, thank you. (laughs) I really, really, really liked that intro. People write me nice intros where it makes me sound like I've done a lot of stuff, but... That one, I was like, I really like that. It makes me sound like I've done a lot of stuff. <laughs> and you... some of that is just, like, the worst job ever. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to steal that for your website, you're absolutely more than welcome Thank to you. Yeah. I will. And I'll put it in quotes, but I won't say who said it. Right, okay, yeah. So that people can pretend <laughs> it's Robert Lindsay or something. <laughs> so, how are you doing? How, how are things? Are you Ooh. sad the Olympics are over? Because I know you're a big Olympics enthusiast. Yeah, really upsetting when you turn on the television the morning after the Olympics has ended and it's just homes under the hammer. I hate it. You hate yeah. Homes Under the Hammer? I don't, like, I'm ambivalent to Homes <laughs> Under the Hammer. <laughs> but, you know, you know when you turn on the television and it's not sporting giants mm. doing their sporting giantism, um, I, uh, I, I'm left bereft. I think, uh, do you know the comedian Athena Kablenu? She, she said mm. today, like, they should gradually phase out the Olympics. You can't just end it like that. Wait, so, like, not going cold turkey... 
sort of like yeah they should over a period of about 10 days just gradually phase out the olympics olympic method kind right? of, yeah it's weird because i don't feel like that about football tournaments i feel like <laughs> you have the final and then you go great it's done and i can look back on all the memories whereas the olympics they just kind of end it and it's not fair <laughs> well, I, I, I'm very sorry for your loss and, and hope you. you are tra- coping well in this tragic time. Well, thank you so I'm much coping. for joining us. And obviously we're here to talk about all things Alan. Um, yes. So it kind of makes sense to start with that comment that I included in the intro about how Steve has been such a, a big influence on your career. Mm. Is that in broader terms or is that just specifically Alan Partridge? Um, it probably is broader, actually. Alan's the main one. Because I can remember my parents used to video um, Know Me, Knowing You Mm. back in 94. And I would just watch whatever they'd videoed. I'd wait till they weren't in the vicinity of the lounge. And then I'd watch it because they always just videoed really good comedy. (laughs) Like Spitting Image and Victoria Wood and that kind of thing. And I loved Alan Partridge. And I don't know why because I don't know what a nine-year-old was getting from it. But um, I guess I just went, yeah, no, it's really funny because <laughs> I, I can remember just being doubled laughing and doing impressions of him. I think adults liked it when I did impressions of Alan Partridge. So even I as think... a nine-year-old, you were sort of getting something from the comedy of, of, of Alan? Yeah, yeah. I um, I guess like we were a real telly household and I think uh, I understood enough of the lampooning nature of knowing me, knowing you, mm. to get on board with it. But yeah, yeah. So that was that was your sort of Alan origins. Then it was your mm-hmm. it was your parents recording, watching or recording. They used to well both. Yeah, <laughs> bit of both. So there must have been a gap in between that and then rediscovering Partridge. I, I don't think I don't remember there ever being like a rediscovery. I know that in I guess it was ninety eight. They they went to see the man who thinks he's it mm-hmm. tour. And then we had the video of that and I watched it endlessly. So that's why I I guess it's like a broader influence as well. Because I've done multi-character shows and I'm sure I used that as the basis without even knowing it. Mm. Like, okay, so you do your four characters and something fills in in between for you to get changed. And then you come out. But I only had a minute to get changed. (laughs) (laughs) I think he had a whole Simon Pegg section to get changed. (laughs) Um, yeah, so uh, in terms of like um, your kind of uh, favourite uh, Alan moments, episodes, mm. series, characters, impossible to nail down. But what are the kind of like, what are the things that you kind of hold dear in terms of some of those uh, partridge moments over over the years that you look back on fondly? I, I'm a big fan of, uh, just in general, the fact that Alan Partridge is a character that as he gets older, they can drop him into various scenarios that make it really current so what he was doing in 94 if they just tried to recreate that now you'd go well they don't make television programs like that anymore but the fact that they can put him on essentially the one show hosting it is just perfect it's genius the same as they can drop him in regional radio or they can drop him in like a fluff piece documentary that he's obviously been allowed to make (laughs) to fill an hour of airtime uh called scissored isle you know and he's just (laughs) He fills airtime. That's what he's good at. So they, you can imagine these commissioners going like, we've got an hour here. We can, we can use Alan Partridge. He's not very expensive. And <laughs> it will fill an hour and no one's going to be upset. And yeah, and then, then, you, then you get things like, welcome to the places of my life. 
So I, I love that. But my favorite moments are when you see something um, of Alan that's not really, it's not so much written. So you see stuff that explains his whole character. Like when he's asked on the show where they're interviewing him about his book, when he goes, he goes, what's your favorite place? And he goes, Gatwick Village. <laughs> So it's so perfect. Yeah. That tells me so much about Alan Partridge. Yeah. And all he said is Gatwick Village, because I live around the corner from the brilliant Gatwick Village, and I do actually really like it. <laughs> I, think, I think it's really good that they've got that in the airport just around the corner from me. So I live in Gatwick. Uh, but it, that's, and uh, I like that, because also it makes me a bit like Alan Partridge. Because <laughs> so, I really laughed, but also I went, yeah, and I do actually like Gatwick Village. I feel like if you're a fan of of Alan or 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 Steve, it's almost impossible to not like take on some of that persona. And what's yeah. brilliant, what's brilliant about it is, I remember it. I mean, I was probably a bit more explicit about it at school, but also when people see it and they call you out on it, they're so like, "Oh, that's just partridge. <laughs> yeah. you're being partridge." Like, but it's so impossible <laughs> yeah. to not sort of take take some of that in terms of the mannerisms and, and what he says. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, and get when you get riled about something that you flat out know is not worth getting riled about, and I go, "Well, I sound like Alan Partridge now, and I, I don't, yeah. I don't care." Yeah. But sometimes he's right. <laughs> what's your kind of like? Um, what's it like? General knowledge, but are there areas or chinks in your Partridge armor? Like, have you have you consumed all of it? Because the thing about Alan Partridge now, and we've, we've spoken about this loads on the on the podcast, is that there's suddenly like a huge amount of Alan Partridge content. It's no longer just those kind of couple of series from the nineties and a couple of, you know, bits and pieces mm. here and there. His, his content has really skyrocketed. Have you, have you consumed all of it? Do you love, do you, do you love all of it? Are there, are there highs, lows? I, that you... I don't think there's any Partridge that I don't think is really good. Um, I don't think there's any I've missed either. I'm pretty sure I've seen every appearance. I've read every book. I've listened to the whole of the Oast House. Yeah, I don't think there's anything missing. I was really hoping there'd be a Christmas Oast House. Uh, still yeah. might be. Still well, might yeah. be. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> we have talked about Yeah, I, 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 I wonder if there's going to be a Christmas this time. Because that feels like the thing that is kind of missing. Two series and a Christmas special. It yeah. feels like it is prime for a Christmas special of this time. I don't know if they Agreed. feel like it would be kind of retreading old ground by... You know, because he had knowing me, knowing you, or whether there's yeah. slight concern over whether it's just retreading old ground. But I, just, I mean, you know, we, ha- we, we make an Alan Partridge thing. podcast. Of course, we're going to say we want to see more Alan Partridge. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it feels like it feels like that could work. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, and we need an update on a Christmas ramble. Yes, yes, this yes. is true. This is true. Alan loves a Christmas ramble. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it's it, it. I think that's what is so great about Alan is that. He is he is kind of he is a presenter, so he can do lots of different things. You, you know, you, it wouldn't make sense for David Brent to have, well, it might make sense for David Brent to have a podcast, but it wouldn't make sense for David Brent to be transported mm. into lots of different similar situations. Where no, as proven by sense. the movie, the Brent movie, mm. I, I watched it and I just decided it wasn't part of can, the canon. It wasn't canon. canon. Yeah, I just went. Nah, that's just a thing. That's just a. That's just an imaginary thing. <laughs> I, I've got a confession. I, I I haven't watched it. I couldn't. Don't, I, no, I don't worry. <laughs> I saw the reviews and I was like, well, I'm just not going to bother with it because it's gonna it's gonna ruin or taint that kind of memory of those uh, of those of those series. All I'm going to say is sips from glass and looks at camera. <laughs> but, but then it, I, it, you know, you could argue that maybe the only sort of 
well, not it's not really a misstep, but I think the only slightly, in, well, in my personal opinion, um, weaker element of the Partridge universe is is the film is Alpha Papa, just because it didn't make sense to have Alan in kind of like high definition and a movie. Yeah, I think they did a really good job of it but i know what you mean yeah, yeah it it's didn't the feel only, like there would never be an alan partridge movie no um yeah yeah, yeah. it kind of had like um it was even i mean he i think Stephen and fans talk about this quite a lot you know the fact that his hair looked different he he looked a mm. bit younger and mm-hmm. i think the film the tv to film transition has always been quite challenging you know if you look mm-hmm. at I mean, even way back to like... On when, the buses, the On the well, Buses movies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. On the buses through to, you know, Brent. And you've even got, obviously, people people just do nothing kind of coming up. So it'll be... Mm-hmm. And some do it better than others, I think. So they're not they're not all bad, but some definitely do it better than others. But that idea of taking a character that's so perfectly formed for 30 minutes and stretching it out for much longer. And I think mm. the key thing is the sort of need for a narrative arc, which you don't have necessarily in, in, in that same 30-minute kind of segment of a TV. It can be played out in, in in a kind of different way so you you have to conform to certain tropes for cinema and yeah. i think that sometimes stifles what is so great about the original character that you loved at the beginning but that was just my yeah that was my dissertation That's just, yeah <laughs> thanks for listening guys <laughs> no i did my dissertation on why sitcoms never make good movies and the example i kept using of uh the going against that rule was how they managed to turn Essentially, they took Spaced and managed yeah. to turn it into Shaun yeah. of the Dead. But they did that by make, taking a TV medium that was already really cinematic and making it into uh, a film. And they used all different characters, etc. Um, but yeah, they with Alan Partridge, they sort of they took a very TV product and they had to make it very cinematic. And although I really enjoyed Alpha Papa, you, yeah, you you have a good point. Where it's like, well. Th- the Alan Partridge canon wouldn't have a movie. Mm, yeah. So, yeah. So how, just going back to sort of Steve slash Alan, are they the mm. same person these days? But um, <laughs> how, has, how, was, how has Steve sort of influenced, you say he is an influence, but how, do you, how, yeah. how specifically has he influenced both, you know, your stand-up and performing in general, I guess? I don't think I would have done character shows if it hadn't been for like how much I loved Alan and, uh, and Steve's other output. Like, um, I, I, we had the cassette of Live and Lose, the one with Paul and Pauline Calf on it, um, and the and Duncan Thicket, like the the shit comic. Um, don't run away! That, don't run away! Don't <laughs> run away! <laughs> I'm David Daft. I think David Daft has influenced yeah. me the most out of any Steve Coogan creation. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I don't think I'd have done a multi-character show if I hadn't sort of essentially being brought up on that mm. and there, and also like it was when Victoria Wood died I then watched a lot of her sketches that I hadn't watched in years and years some probably since I was a kid and I went oh this has seeped its way into my brain as well I can see it <laughs> um not stealing the material but that that <clears throat> thing that Steve Coogan and Victoria Wood do so well which is they do characters that don't have jokes they're mm. just funny they say stuff and it's funny because it's like perfect character work and I really always aspire to do that I do a couple of characters now I don't really do characters live on stage anymore but when I've been doing characters in lockdown um on Twitch which is live streaming and also just in videos 
And it's always that is always the blueprint. Like the character should just be believable and funny and react to situations in a way that you believe that character would. And that's what Steve Coogan always does. If I can intellectualize a very funny guy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I do wonder how, you know, he kind of thinks, you know, you have critics and you have reviewers and you have fans and you have, you know, podcasts like ourselves and things like that, who because they are comedy nerds and just fans of their mm. work dissect it and like ultimately does yeah. he just think it's just a you know it's just a funny character that i do for a bit of a laugh and, yeah and he get... would probably go no way as deep as that no. into it but yeah th- but it's all there yeah given the chance we'll ask him but um <laughs> <laughs> he eluded you thus far thus far thus far but you know never say never um but does uh does, does i guess you kind of touched on this a little bit earlier but does partridge new partridge still get you excited is it is it yeah is partridge a kind of is it still something that that comics discuss sort of in the inner circle in terms of like breaking it down like we do or or discussing it and saying like have you seen this yet is it is it still sort of like a hot topic hot topic when it comes (laughs) when it comes to when it comes to comedy when and i guess like the comedian or sorry the comic sort of circuit definitely when um we're also like we're also happy when a new partridge thing comes out and it's good. Mm. So when this time came out, all the comedians were writing like, "This is so brilliant! Oh my god, I'm so happy that it's good." The same thing happened with um, the Oast House. Like comedians would gradually post, "Like I've just reached episode four of the Oast House, and ah, oh, I'm so happy. Alan Partridge works so well in this particular format, like in the podcast medium." Um, so yeah, definitely, it definitely happens. Yeah, yeah. I do. I, again, I kind of find it fascinating because obviously, you know, it's not a world that we're involved in. So it's always kind of interesting to kind of hear about that he is still Partridge and Coogan is still just as kind of influential as as he yeah. ever been. And if anything, you know, we've, we've spoken to quite a few people sort of um, uh, about this and have just said it's got, it's actually got better. You know, the, 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 there's an argument to say that the Gibbons era is is stronger and more consistent. It's, it's than a anything. whole, yeah, because yeah. because um, because of Partridge, uh, it, between like you know the the early '90s and now, you've had The Office and uh, stuff like um, the thick of it, mm. and God, I'm trying to think of other things that the. What's the Rob Brydon thing? Um, the trip. Ma- there was Marion and Jeff, oh, Marion and, Jeff. Jeff. and that one he made with Julia Davis, and now I can't remember the name of it. Ah, where they had different, but there's been a lot of that sort of that that character comedy that I'm mm. talking about, where it's not necessarily they're wisecracking and making jokes; it's just they're real people and they're absurd and funny. Um, this country, so things you, like that. Yeah, that's it. Mm. There's been so much of that stuff. Um, so Partridge has had to evolve because I think people are more comedy literate with yeah. character comedy. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Um, so I th- I think there's been no choice but to get better. And also Steve Coogan knows that character now so well that he can be interviewed as Alan and it's easy for him. And I think that's I like that's my main inspiration because I've got a character called Malcolm Dempster who I'm constantly worrying is too much like Partridge, um, but he's sort of a, um, an a anti-woke, bitter, divorced man whose kids aren't talking to him. And, <laughs> um, 
He's 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 much angrier than Alan though, and and also I would never say like I think he's as good a character because like obviously not. But the ideal is that people can ask me questions as Malcolm, and I know exactly how Malcolm would answer them because I've seen that Steve Coogan's got that. I'm like that's such a cool thing to be able to do. I also dress up as Princess Diana and answer questions as her. So, you know, I'm varied. <laughs> She's nothing like Alan Partridge. Got, he loves a meal it, deal. <laughs> yeah, I could see her down boots, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I, um, yeah, I kind of think that um, it, Alan has kind of... He was very... I could say, he, like, your character is, is angrier than Alan. I think Alan... Mm. I think his anger has slightly dissipated over the years. And I don't know whether that's... Yeah, which is really and, realistic. Yeah. Yeah. Because he was quite yeah, an angry he does. He, seems... he, he, he wouldn't mm. punch someone with a turkey on his or a, a pheasant on his hand anymore. No, he's not as insecure, which is both better and worse. Mm. <laughs> Some of that vulnerability has gone, um, but it's still there. Yeah, as oh, yeah. we see when he like meets, he's meeting Princess Anne. Yeah, and that is the that is his ideal thing is to meet Princess Anne and like. I'm a red menace anti-monarchist, but Princess Anne is my favourite royal. I think she's like one of the only good ones. So I get it. I get it, Alan. (laughs) (laughs) It's interesting you kind of touch on that and that kind of leads us sort of neatly into kind of where Alan sits in in 2021 because Mm. it kind of feels that not to kind of like lead the question, but he's he he can be perceived as as slightly more sympathetic. So it's either has like you know has the country changed or has Alan kind of drifted into something more of a kind of a a moderate? Like, what, what do you think about yeah. Alan in terms of his his role in twenty twenty one and 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 how that character sits in the sort of broader context? It's great because I think we've sort of missed out the era which definitely existed where Alan Partridge was like. Me too's a load of bollocks. Mm. Um, and he's obviously got to the point where he goes, oh, you can't say that. It's not that he thinks mm. it is a nonsense or not. And it's not that he's probably done anything to any women, but he's like, oh, okay, so to look good, you have to say you're pro-women and you have to say that you're fine with gays. And he probably ultimately is because I don't think... I don't think he's as malicious as he could be. Um, but I think it's perfect that he shows up on something like this time with a female uh, co-presenter, with a female co-host. And he has to put out uh, the aura that he's fine with that. And that's funnier that he's performing that. Yeah. Um, and he would probably tell himself that he's fine with that. He Alan would probably, if if asked, like, are you sexist? He'd go, no, of course not. I have a female co-host and a female assistant. <laughs> so it's that kind of thing. He would really believe that he is a good guy. But even even back in the early days, they never went too extreme with any of his actions or views that I can really... like. So there's not a... You know, there's obviously a kind of general uh, conversation and rhetoric around cancel culture. And mm. I can't think of anything so outrageous that would lead to Alan being cancelled. Whereas recently I rewatched Nathan Barley and that, right. that has not aged well at all. Interesting. Like, in right, terms that's of some, what, 20 years? Uh, Nathan Barley was 2005, I think. 2005, so 16 yeah. years. Okay, and there's, right. There, there, there's a lot of uh, white male, well, white characters uh, mm. using the N-word. And it's interesting. And, and it's like, yeah. but Alan I mean, never it's played as bad, though, isn't it? Of course, it's like, of you course. Know, obviously, but, but yeah, still, you it, wouldn't. It, even yeah. if you're parodying something, you wouldn't be able to do that. You wouldn't now. see that now. And, no, no. And 
Alan is a parody, I guess, to, to a certain extent. But he he was <clears throat> there's there's nothing really that I can think of. I guess because it's it's Alan is played very sort of um, uh, extreme, uber real. You know, he's not a real person. He is. Whereas yeah. Nathan Barley, you know, kind of we all kind of recognize the Shoreditch twat in uh, yeah, being a real thing. Whereas Alan, I don't yes. know. There was always kind of a, a, a there is always kind of a bit of a. Um, uh, a bit of the, I think Steve described him once as being uber real. So mm. he's not, mm-hmm. you know. So it, it, it's interesting, like that. You, I, you don't see Alan being particularly susceptible to being cancelled. So I guess even like, he's always yeah. kind of been a bit of a. He's been a bit. He would angry be terrified bit, of it. Though. Yeah. He would be like the character would be terrified of it. Small it's interesting. It it's weird. I watched Knowing Me, Knowing You last year for the first time in quite a while, probably a few years, and. um it really stood out the the interview he does with Minnie Driver, mm. who is a trans woman, and I went and it started and I immediately bristled because you go, oh, is this going to make me go like, oh, what have you done? But for 1994, it's pretty progressive in that a it's a woman playing the playing a trans woman, which you didn't often see. Uh, it's a very uh, um, uh, she's like Winnie Driver's amazing, obviously, but she it you don't see a lot of cis women playing mm. trans women, and also she definitely comes out of that on top. Like at no point are the audience meant to be going, Ugh, mm. oh, it's horrible when it turns out she was assigned male at birth. Now the language around it, um, he, you know, it's Alan going, oh, you got big flapping hands like a bloke. No one in the studio in the Alan Partridge universe or or the audience is going, yeah, you tell her, Alan. So it, it read for 1994, it read an, a lot better than I was expecting as we went into it. I went, oh. Although I've just said that there's nothing I can think of that would get Alan cancelled. Mm. He does say, oh, you're a bloke, I should knock your block off. In that, I should knock your block off. In, in that scene. So <laughs> maybe, maybe I retract that statement. Uh, but in 1994, it wouldn't have got him cancelled. But then also, <laughs> like to that point, the audience don't cheer to that. They don't encourage mm. that. They don't, no, that's it. Yeah. No, it's it's literally played that she like she has all the power um in that moment which it's none of that uh it's none of the ace ventura which is the same year yeah. of like <clears throat> was assigned male at birth everyone starts vomiting yeah, you yeah, know yeah. there's none of that every like the idea is they've they've got this trans woman who's got an amazing story on the show and alan hasn't read the book that's yeah. that's, that's the, the joke. joke there yeah yeah, yeah and it, yeah and it kind of i mean i'm, I'm not gonna speak to their intentions on that on that scene specifically but but more mm. broadly like that's kind of the conceit of Alan, isn't it? He's highlighted yeah. to to be, you know, this kind of um, like you said. I think you used the word you said malicious as such, but mm. it doesn't come from a malicious place. But it's maybe a position no. of um, you know, ignorance or, or sort of lack of education and, and just sort of broader awareness. So you're never, yeah. you're never and insecurity, and insecurity, exactly that. So I think the writers are quite astute in how they position him and his views whatever the subject might be so that it's yeah. quite tactfully dealt with um, yeah i think we got quite deep there that, that yeah. <laughs> i mean nick you say he's uneducated he is the owner of two pretty good o levels <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then and denton abbey is massive and brilliant <laughs> yeah <laughs> i like it when he goes is he talking about people who work at the bbc and he goes they've all been to oxbridge university <laughs> wherever that is <laughs> i say that all the time because comedians like if you've been to oxford or cambridge as a comedian there's uh you know yeah. a big there's the big oxbridge comedians network which we get fast track definitely you? not 
Well, there's a there, you know your goal of contacts. But there's I'm I'm certainly not in it. I went to Bournemouth University, so yeah, I like I like that. Alan and Alan went to some polytechnic. And <laughs> I kind of I I empathise, but also I think it's really funny that he comes out. <laughs> They've all been to Oxbridge University, wherever that is. <laughs> uh, we've we've sort of touched on how he's he's been kind of um, distilled through sort of so many different formats from like a traditional, you know, TV show um, to the the podcast or was it a podcast? Was it an audio book? We're still not sure. Um, <laughs> and then he had kind of Mid-Morning Matters, which was the shorts on YouTube when it originally came out. Yes. But, so he's, he's been in kind of so many different formats, but what, what for you would you say format wise is, is, is your kind of favorite in terms of how best that, that character has worked for you? Oh, um, I I think the 97 I'm Alan Partridge series is like a great starting point. I think it's a better starting point than the day-to-day or Knowing Me, Knowing You. Um, Because we kind of see Alan is most deluded and pathetic in that series, Mm. I think. I think it's a great starting point. Yeah. 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 I think the... um the kind of success that that character had in um, the books as well is sort of testament mm. to his his strength. I, I wonder, like, almost going back to the Brent thing, could Brent write a book? I don't know. Maybe some kind of, like, lifestyle manual, maybe. But I just, yeah. It would feel of... cash in, wouldn't it? Whereas none yeah. of that. I, yes. think, I think that was one of the concerns we had over um, the, the, the first book. Like, is it going to be mm. a cash in? Is it going to be... Yeah you know, just something that they've just slapped the name on and, and you know, you see it in airports for 99p. Mm. But it, it, it was so much more than that. And again, you know, going yeah. back to your point about, oh, when you listen to Oast House or something like that or see this time and there's this kind of relief that it's yes. good. I think that was yeah. that was kind of a big thing for us with with um, with I Partridge was just like within yeah. a few pages, although I, I, I listened to it on audiobook, within a couple of minutes, yeah, you knew same. like... We're, it works perfectly we're in safe it. hands here this is going to be yeah good. um but yeah. actually to actually uh, to, to pose it a, a slightly different way if you could only pick one so if you could only have audio alan or written oh alan God. or uh tv alan mm-hmm. which which alan i said alan a lot in that sentence alan 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 uh i think it would i i think it'd have to be tv alan because uh, it doesn't get talked enough it, talked about enough that Steve Coogan's physical performance mm. as Alan is just amazing. He's got like sellers levels of physical comedy. Mm. Um, so it has it's got to be TV Alan. <laughs> I've said I've said that on the podcast before. He is quite an, he is an underrated physical comedian. It's yeah, not something like he ever time. gets any props for. He gets you know a lot of props for Partridge and you know his comedy mm. timing and his writing, but for his actual yeah. physical comedy, he's you know he's 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 underrated, I think. And doesn't, Brilliant. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Just tri- doing a doing a trip like he in the this time the stairs are just slightly too long, mm. and Steve Coogan plays it perfectly. Alan getting up those steps without making a big deal of it. Um, uh, there'll be some people who maybe didn't notice it till second viewing, but he does man negotiating steps that are just slightly too long, <laughs> perfectly. <laughs> but yeah, obviously, you know, given the nature of what we do, we've deep we've done a deep dive on that on the set. <laughs> but that's the thing; it's a, it, it, it's purposefully designed to be awkward to make. It was the same with yeah. knowing me, knowing you as well. Like the steps were just weirdly shaped, and it was just, yes, it just adds to the kind of sense of something's going to go wrong. 
this, yeah. this isn't right. This isn't. Um, it's just things like that that obviously the painstaking level of detail that they think about yeah. everything completely holistically, not just yes. oh here's a funny line about mm-hmm. you know about what yeah. whatever. But it, it, it's um that's what I love about it. It's the whole world that comes with it. There's just so much yeah. more than just like yeah here's here's a joke or here's Alan saying a word a bit wrong. Yeah, you know that Alan has got life outside of. Uh, what we see, hear, and read. You know, there's mm. a whole a whole life going on there without too much... Like, they don't have to fill it with expositionary dialogue about, you know, he's got his holiday home. <laughs> and we go, yeah, there's a whole lot that's going on there. <laughs> yeah, I hope we, <laughs> we hear don't, more He doesn't need that. to tell us. Yeah, I want to hear more about <laughs> it, yeah. <laughs> what did Tash Dimitri's character... Well, how, what state was that holiday home left in? We need oh to know God. details. I like the idea that they... It, she made it up there and then they just sat awkwardly until she left. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of, of kind of like some of the sort of lesser known characters, um, mm. well, it's kind of two, well, we've written as a two part question. So we've got which of the sort of minor characters that you're, uh, 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 do you, she kind of saw more of? And the second part of that question is just simply, is Michael alive? I'm Sandra. And I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I think Michael is dead. (laughs) Oh, you think Michael's dead? It's dark, isn't it? We have various opinions on. We have various opinions on this. So you're going. You're you're firmly in the dead category. I think he had a breakdown and Alan just sort of stepped away because he's still not good on mental health or certainly not men's mental health. So he just stepped away and then I think he found out Michael's dead. I definitely think you're right in that um, he would step away. It was a horrible accident, a horrible kitchen-related accident or something. And he he probably heard about it and and swallowed down every emotion that he felt about that and any guilt he felt, he'd swallow that as well and go, it was bound to happen. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like Alan's mental health advice is very much just bury your head in the sand and, and everything will be oh, fine. Oh, you've got to get on with it, yeah. mate. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, remember, he does, yeah. he does he does, pay a man to talk to at the moment, so he is getting some help. <laughs> That's true, he but he would think it's different sometime. for him. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pay a man to talk to. <laughs> <laughs> I think my fa- minor characters I'd like to see more of. Um, oh, my God, Kevin Eldon 
Kevin yeah. Elder's yeah. character. What was his name? I don't think he's. Uh, I don't think he's I'm named. Andrew, is he? The laughing, the laughing lift man. Yeah. The laughing man in the lift. I just think it's the 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 most awful, hilarious detail that the last we see of him is like. It turns out he's really racist. <laughs> I think we, I think he is named. I think I'm going to do some really surely he's research. named. I'm going to do some live research. Talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> he. I think he's the worst ever human being, fictional human being in any medium at all he's the worst ever he's the most awful man that's ever existed in fiction and i'm including like um characters in terror like darth vader yeah uh, yep. <laughs> shredder shredder hans gruber hans gruber the melting man shredder. the melting man in robocop he's like that kevin eldon's character is a worse human being than any of them. Thanos. Uh, how could how <laughs> yeah. could we forget Kevin Eldon's character name from I'm Alan Partridge series one? Mike Sampson. Oh, Mike Sampson. Because yes. Michael goes, I'm Michael and all. Because they're both called. Michael. Oh yeah, of course. I was like, my brain was going Jeb, Jeb, but that's the super fan, yeah. and I know this. Yeah. I know this. <laughs> like I went, I was going, shut up, brain. I know who he is. You're trying to sabotage me. So uh, we just took a trip back to 1997, finding out that information. So yeah. Al- Alan's been around for nearly 30 years. So what do, what is it that you think it has, has allowed him to endure for so long? What What is it that, that people still love about him and love about the character that, that, that they, they also loved 30 years ago? I think the, mm-hmm. I think it is the talent, talent, self-awareness and... But yeah, the talent and self-awareness of Steve Coogan mm. has allowed it to endure and not turned it into uh, a caricature. It's 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 sort of gone... I mean, you were saying earlier, like it's almost like it's got better. Um, it's gone further from caricature. Alan was never caricature, but he was... In the, in the original Inception, he was pastiche, and now he's not. Alan is just like this genius comedy creation that's totally three-dimensional and um i think that's te- i think that's testament to coogan and do you do you think what what is it do you think that the the gibbons brothers have kind of brought to the party so to speak versus you know the bainham and and Marbury yeah years? it's really brilliant i don't i i don't know if i could put my finger on what it is but it's, it feels like a very modern workshoppy way of writing mm-hmm. that they've got where because coogan will write with them yeah. um and they all know the character inside out, but only one of them has played him. So he can be there and say stuff as Alan, and it must be the most fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to be, must be uh, the best session. To be a fly on the wall in there. I mean, I think, I think obviously, you know, we've heard anecdotally that they sort of write up to the wire and they write on set. Yeah. But to be in one yeah. of those, a fly on the wall of those rooms when they're sort of coming up with those, those ideas must be really special. Ah, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, I guess. Uh, we we kind of noticed that the, the the critics of this new sort of um, era of Partridge are, are kind of saying that it, it's not as as funny anymore, and that you kind of have um, and the reason for that is that you have these polarizing characters in 
the real world media. Mm. Like you're made on one extreme, you have your made leads who's just a bit, you know, silly and, and ultimately quite yeah. harmless, but probably very like Alan Partridge. And then you have mm. on the other end of the spectrum people like Piers Morgan who storm off the set because mm. the weatherman has a bit of a jab at him. So do, <laughs> yeah. do you think that's a relevant criticism, or do you think that it's it's it, it, it's not those those real life characters don't actually have that much impact on the on the comedy itself? I think it makes it funnier that there's Partridge s characters. I mean, there's a whole Twitter account now called Accidental Partridge. I was watching the Olympics. <laughs> last week and in the show jumping the commentator on Eurosport because I'm I grew up around horses they weren't mine but I loved them um the, just in a field they, or what were you it's my mum works with them <laughs> <laughs> so I was like I have grown up around horses and I love them so much that when they're on the Olympics I watch them and check out what they're doing um and the commentator on Eurosport which is the only place you could watch all the equestrian live uh he said Total partridge. He went, have it on good authority that uh, Ben Mayer's horse explosion W won't won't let you get on unless he's had a sugar lump. And then he just goes, <laughs> he just runs away. But today Ben Mayer has run away with the gold medal. <laughs> I, went, I went, that's that's an that's Alan Partridge. Yeah. That, is he literally doing an impression? But I knew he wasn't because I'd listened to him for three hours before that, and that was what he was like throughout. Well, he does a lot. His laugh, <laughs> perfect. So by by the end of like the week, I imagine that there'll be some kind of compilation on YouTube of all the best bits of this guy doing commentary. All the best like bits of the show jumping commentary. I think Eurosport were banking on no one's going to be watching this, and anyone who is is just going to be some stupid posh twat. And I'm like, ha ha ha! Guess again, Partridge. Um, <laughs> I think that because we're so exposed to people like that, mm. it makes Alan Partridge funnier and I think it enhances the writing because they know that they're dealing with that sort of person in the real world now whereas originally Alan was a kind of uh, John Motson type pastiche um, and now there's there's 20 more layers to that character yeah that's the thing I, I think that's kind of our main sort of pushback on on the criticisms that 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 this new era has is that you're kind of missing the point if you think that that's what alan alan's not that just that kind of not that he was one dimensional but he you know there 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 was there's more to him now and i think to just to lazily compare him to more uh, madeley and and piers morgan is 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 kind of misses misses the point reductive yeah it is yeah and i think that's a shame because i think so much of this so much of um the comedy from from the sitcom years is quite instant whereas mm. as, like you said there's so many more layers to to this new iteration you have so many other you know facets to partridge that that perhaps weren't there 25 years yeah. ago um and Definitely. then and then you know one of the thing that i don't think they get enough praise for coogan is that they bring other comedians up with them so you have the Ooh. foils for him like tim key and susanna fielding what are your thoughts on sort of susanna and how how she sort of integrated into the part traverse so it's such a brilliant performance it's such and it's such a like dream role that kind of because she is the character i don't like her <laughs> like she's quite an unpleasant character but how she reacts to alan it needs to be someone who's not actually particularly nice and maybe just out for themselves it needs to be someone like that in order to a tolerate alan because someone who's very genuine would just end up going, I can't work with this prick, but she is very career orientated. Um, and it has to be someone quite unpleasant to just completely dismiss him. 
with with absolutely she's got no qualms about completely dismissing him which you go on one hand you go good because yeah he's dreadful and then you go god she's difficult isn't she like he some and sometimes he is trying to talk to her and she's just giving him absolutely nothing and i i both respect it and sort of feel sorry for him at the same time so it's perfect character work again and that's a tricky thing to do to to just leap in because we I think there's probably a lot of Partridge fans who go, though the only woman who's a constant in Alan Partridge is Lynn. And I think there'd be a battle between Lynn and her as well. Because Lynn hates other women. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, she hates most people apart from Alan. Mm, mm. Um, But I I do hope we see more of Susanna Fielding in in, in the APU because I think it would be a shame to, if that's the end of this time, uh, I, I I hope that they find a way to get her still involved because she because she is she is great. Um, I think there'll be more this time. You think there'll be more this time? I think it's there has to legs. be because I, I don't I don't think it's a case of like oh and they're just returning to that again. I think this time evolved in the second series mm. as well. But they've never done um, three series of anything, so no, it'd be interesting no. to see if they break that mold. I guess you know. Um, if they feel like it's got more, the format's got more legs, I don't know if it would. Be, mm. Do you think it could potentially become tired into into a third series? I I trust them that it wouldn't. Yeah, I trust them enough. So actually, to yeah. to, to that point, um, ignore. Uh, let t- take a third series of this time sort of out of the equation. Mm. What 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 sort of medium or what would you like to see Alan tackle next? What do you think his oh talents? His ta- where would his talents be? You know, best utilized. Do you think? I mean, like talent in the broadest possible. Yeah. Uh, term. I'd love I'd love to see another one of the one-off documentaries um and it's like Alan tackling politics okay because <laughs> he would be so out of his depth uh and I just I would love to see him like interviewing I'm trying oh now I'm thinking like maybe real politicians but I don't want to see Alan Partridge in a in a skit with Farage not that Farage is a real politician because uh <laughs> He voted us out of the EU and now is no longer a politician. But um, I, I, I do like the idea of Alan, Alan's politics. I want to hear more about Alan's politics because he's clearly a very, he'd be a very, his political opinions would be very shallow and easily torn apart by someone else that he's interviewing. The thing he's I'd probably like he's it. probably almost like a moderate now because he knows he's not allowed yeah. to say the things he possibly you know. Oh, he probably, yeah, he's he's probably one of those people who go like, I'm in the centre. If both sides are criticising me, I'm obviously doing something right. Like, that's how it works. Uh, I can imagine him going like that. And and actually, the majority of his feelings are quite conservative. But he would always say, yes, but small c, small c. Yeah, but he gets a very balanced view from his media intake. You know, he gets the Times, uh, the Mail, uh, the Telegraph (laughs) and the Daily Express. So he's like, gets a completely realistic view of of, of, of what's going on in the world. (laughs) <laughs> yeah <laughs> i think it i think that would be great maybe even as a podcast i do i agree with you on the the specials i think the specials uh i don't know how well sort of known they are as well because they never mm. come up on sort of streaming platforms so no they don't repeat them either do they yeah yeah they're not that easy to find so they're not especially places of my life which is sort of one of the oh, alan so alan good. nuggets which has got some really really good scenes in it she's about nine years old now isn't it yeah. oh god it's going back a while it's so old, i loved but... uh, my favorite one of my favorite things in all of those specials was when um alan like the happiest we've ever seen him was working on the checkout yeah yeah <laughs> i love <laughs> he i love that loved it he would have been so happy doing that 
<laughs> you go careful there now, my love. It seemed like it, it was finally, again, it's another point made on the podcast, it, was like it finally felt that it, he, he'd found his true calling. That's it. <laughs> and he really was like, he was, he went, he, it's really goes, I realised something. I was brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> He's so happy. And uh, whenever me and my, I live with my mum, and whenever we go to, we've ever gone to Tesco in lockdown, there's always like some man who's got a dog, like a middle-aged man who obviously isn't working and has uh, had to get a job in lockdown and he's working on checkout. And whenever we see them, they always look like they're like, putting my best foot forward. I'm working on a checkout. So it is like Alan Partridge, but I find it, it's one of the times I've found Alan the most endearing. The fact that like, yeah, he really stepped up and did that. And I, I love, love seeing all these middle-aged men during lockdown working on checkout, like going, I'm brilliant at this. <laughs> and when, whenever you hear, do you need help packing? Like, my mind just goes <laughs> <Yeah>. to it. <laughs> yeah. Do you need any help when you're packing? But don't put it in the basket. That's so good. It's so funny. I always had a real soft spot for where they manipulate the editing. So I think it's in um, Places of My Life where he's in the pool or he's interviewing the mayor in, um, in Scissor Park oh, where, yeah. they, where they manipulate the editing where he's like, he's drowning in water. Yeah, and she, she's like, you all right? And he just cuts to yeah. him, yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> you can hear him going. <laughs> I love it when you see him doing butterflies. Yeah. As Steve Coogan's amazing physical comedy yeah. again, he's like, oh, sometimes I do butterflies. <laughs> ridiculous because it is a ridiculous swimming strokes yeah. yeah it's so good um you, you've touched on obviously or you've touched on you've talked a lot about uh steve um and, and your love for kind of steve coogan and his comedy and actually you've talked about victoria wood as well we kind of just wanted mm. to probe a little bit around who are your kind of who are your kind of comedy heroes then out, outside of, of steve uh, that you've kind of grown up with who are the people that you look to that have helped shape your um, career oh it's all stuff that I. It's all stuff I grew up with. So we had on v, VHS um, a couple of Alan Davis stand-up mm. videos from the mid '90s, uh, and I I would recite them verbatim to my friends when I was about twelve, and we'd all be like, "Oh my god, so funny!" And you know, I'm just like delivering somebody else's stand-up in their exact rhythms. But I think that um, really. I think that sticks with you if you go into comedy. Like you've, I essentially didn't realize I was doing it, but I was studying other comedy. So definitely that. Also, like, um, I grew up watching a lot of again just taped off the telly, like Eddie Murphy films. And I think Eddie Murphy is maybe the most talented man who's ever lived because he's he's that funny. He also is a great straight actor, um, and an incredible singer as well so i'm i i'm sort of still in awe of eddie murphy even though he's made a lot of sh- absolute shots <laughs> <laughs> he seems to enjoy himself making like meet dave and uh, the cash and then, helps as well i think the bucket it probably cash, does yeah. it probably yeah i at the end of the day he seems like actually quite a happy unbitter man and then but then he'll suddenly pull out of the bag like his performance in dream girls mm. and he is incredible in that He's he's as good as Jennifer Hudson. She won an Oscar, um, and then he did Dolomite is my name, and I you know I'm always like so happy to see Eddie Murphy back. <laughs> so I hope we see more of Eddie Murphy back. But yeah, I think I was definitely really influenced by him growing up because we had Raw as well on video, mm. his um, '87 stand-up special, and a lot of Eddie Murphy's stand-up doesn't hold up. Um, if, we, if we're thinking of um, cancellations, not that. Not that no one's going to cancel Eddie Murphy, but there are, there is 
some of the stuff in there is like is super homophobic, super sexist. There's also stuff in there about his childhood uh, where he just talks about the mundanity of his childhood and it's so funny and I've definitely taken that into my stand-up now where you'll say something. A lot of my stand-up is really referencing stuff that's specific only to me from 1993, something <laughs> that happened to me that is not in any way outlandish mm. and I was eight. And you say it, and then a room full of people go, oh, yeah, I can get on board with that because that reminds me of being eight. Like, um, And I think that has definitely come from Eddie Murphy. Yeah. Um, you've been <laughs> kind of doing a fair amount of comedy uh, on, on Twitch. Obviously, the pandemic has yeah. sort of influenced that. We're curious just mm -hmm. around kind of how you kind of how you see comedy on Twitch and and maybe the role that technology plays in the future with obviously the world opening up but you know habits kind of remaining from what's happened in in covid so just your sort of thoughts around the role that comedy can play on on Twitch and and how that's been for you yeah twitch is fantastic it's a a live streaming uh website where every every twitch person has their own channel essentially and you just go live using broadcasting software, which at first feels like brain surgery and <laughs> rocket science combined. But when when you get to grips with it, you go, okay, it's actually relatively simple. So I've been live streaming. Uh, you could see behind me my green screen. You can put yourself anywhere on Twitch, and it's offered. It offers something that you don't, you can't always get uh, in a live setting. There's no way I would have dressed up as Princess Diana put a pub garden background behind me and then just talked to, you know, 60, 70 people in a chat box. They're just there in a chat box. You can't see their faces. You can't hear them, but they'll ask questions. And it's like a mini writer's room. And there's no way, like I did two hours as Diana. I've, I've been doing multiple um, Twitch sessions as this character. I do Malcolm Dempster, who I did in a show in 2016. And there was 15 minutes of Malcolm as he he was like an angry divorced man who'd been who'd locked himself out of his house, so he was at this show talking angrily to the audience for fifteen minutes. Um, that was I would never have thought like you can just improv for two hours as Malcolm while the audience asks questions, uh, and I would never have been able to do that live. So it's yeah, it, I think it, it it's like a it's like something completely different to live comedy work with mm. them in the room and. Not every comedian likes it, but I've really enjoyed it. I find it like it's like a big writer's room. Um, I guess, and there's the, the, there's a freedom you don't have. Mm. Like. The, the kind of, I guess it's a it's a way to workshop stuff. But I guess mm. that's there's a yeah. difficult balance because I guess as a comedian you want if you're testing material you want to get that immediate reaction. Was that bit funny? Do I need to tweak yeah. it? Do I need to change the punchline? And it's line? weird. You you do feel like you get that. Oh, okay, it's, okay. It's really weird, but in a completely different way right. than you'd get to having them in front of you in the room and even on Zoom mm -hmm. where you can see people and hear people. That's different again. Um, yeah, I think, I, I mean, I haven't, I haven't been able to get on Twitch for a, a few weeks now because, you know, it's a quite a luxurious position to be in, but I've, I've been busy in the real <laughs> world. But I certainly won't be giving up Twitch. It wasn't, it, it didn't act as what I initially thought it was going to when I joined last April, April 2020. It didn't act as like like a methadone, methadone type thing for um, live stuff. Mm. It was something completely different. Mm. And I think the people who've had the best time on Twitch, people like uh, Bilal Zafar and 
um, John Robertson. I think it's because they've found something else to do with Twitch that they weren't ever doing live. Uh, and I've certainly found that, yeah. Yeah, how do, how does it feel to kind of being able to, to play gigs again and, and sort of get out there and uh, versus, I guess, it's a bit of a the, 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 the opposite of, you know, sitting in front of a green screen, you're actually sitting in yeah, front of an yeah. audience. Uh, did it? Yeah. Because I, I think, you know, having conversations with my friends about how uh, it feels weird to be socialising in big groups again. Does it feel weird mm. to be in rooms telling jokes to people? I thought it would. Initially, the, the first couple of gigs, I was like, a bit like Bambi on the ice. But I think, honestly, I think the year, nearly a year and a half spent on Twitch talking to nobody mm. except a text box of people called like Baldrick769 going, Malcolm, someone went, someone went once, hi, Malcolm, any sympathy for the Unabomber? <laughs> <laughs> And that was like June last year, and I still think about that one comment and laugh. Like they, they always want Malcolm to break character and laugh, and I'm a terrible corpser anyway. So, uh, yeah. any sympathy for the Unibomber? That's really funny. I wouldn't get that live. But going out, <laughs> going out and doing comedy live again. What I found after that first couple of gigs was that all this time spent on Twitch, it's made me like looser with the uh, comedy work, the live work on the stage. Now you got because on Twitch. You, you suddenly realise, oh, I can do anything. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it goes all wrong. Um, and then that goes through to live work as well. You go, well, I'll just, I'll just do this now. I'll just say this now. And it, it really doesn't matter if it goes wrong because I've always got Twitch or another gig. <laughs> uh, um, so I think it's made it better. Any any sympathy for the Unabomber is, is possibly the best heckle ever and i would love to see so funny. multiple different stand-ups cope with that as a heckle <laughs> that was brilliant jenny popped up in the chat i went oh the life doesn't get any better <laughs> <laughs> um in in terms of 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 new comedy what have you been enjoying sort of in terms of like maybe sitcoms or other stand-up mm. like or, or anything on netflix or that you've seen live like what what have what's been really either just either inspiring you or just, you know, just really funny. I think Motherland is possibly the best British sitcom that's on at the moment. I think it's brilliant and I love it even more now that Graham Linehan's name isn't on it. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I I think it's just, it's got everything. It's so funny. It's got, it's bleak. It's really warm. And I, I laughed so hard. And then in the last series, I was like, why am I crying about these awful mothers? But yeah, <laughs> I, I think it's really brilliant. My favorite, um, my favorite overall sitcom that's currently on is It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I think it might be my favorite American show, com- American comedy ever. I think it is absolute um, genius that has moved with the times. They're like 12 and series in now or something now, aren't I they? I think they're 14, 14. season wow. 14 or... F- hang on, I'm going to look. And the thing is with American <laughs> comedies, their, their, their series aren't six episodes, are they? They're, they're, they're no, like 20, 20 odd episodes of like the, 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 the level of writing that must go into these is just That's unbe- it. unbelievable. It's been, okay, it's been renewed for its 15th season, right. which is, I think, imminently coming out. And in December, it was renewed for four more seasons, which would take it up to 18. And I don't think It's Always Sunny ever feels like there's a dip in quality. Mm. 
It's so brilliant. Even when one of the characters, one of the actors got another job, um, so they only were in a few episodes of that season, they worked around it really well. And, oh, God, it's so good. Another show that you, watching the first few episodes, you'd never guess where it was going to end up. Mm. And I think that um, Caitlin Olsen's performance as Dee Reynolds, that's, I would say that's my favourite comedy performance currently on TV. Um, she's amazing, yeah. And they they've written a sh- they've written a f- also they've written a female character who's fucking gross, and there should be more of that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Nick, you're a fan of Motherland, aren't you? I I I, I struggled with it. I found it too. Mm-hmm. I found it too real. It was I. I <laughs> the weird thing is, I I always have this thing about I I find I find The Office a bit of a struggle as well, and and, oh, really? and, and Curb as well because it's so cringe worthy, excruciating. And then people go, "Well, you like Alan Partridge?" It's like, yeah, but that's like I say, it goes back to the thing of. of, of Alan Partridge being uber real he's not like yeah. there's a there's a reality in those other sitcoms that I mentioned that I just find I just can't, I really struggle with and but I know Nick you're a fan of Motherland aren't you oh absolutely solidarity with anyone that loves Motherland and I'm here for a, <laughs> I'm absolutely here for a Kevin uh, spin-off show I could just watch that character all day <laughs> it's like it's like Jim Jim from Friday Night Dinner I'd watch a show all about him Kevin yeah. Kevin Kevin from Motherland a show all about him I just think there are those oh, char- characters where I think oh god I could just spend so much time with them but yeah I, yeah. I, I totally agree I think Motherland is um, very well observed and on paper I think it's quite an and not a particularly exciting concept, but the execution of it mm. um, is is exceptionally is exceptionally well yes. done. And the performances are insane. Anna yeah, Maxwell right. Martin is amazing in everything, but yeah. it's just like I, I, oh, I struggle amazing. watching people having a breakdown on screen. <laughs> it's like every epi- right, every right. episode that I've seen is just her being put through the ringer, and I just can't absolutely can't losing her yeah. mind. I've, I loved that in the end of the. I mean, no spoilers, but at the end of the third season that's just been on BBC. We finally see her and her husband mm. together. And then you go, oh, this is why their marriage works. Because all the way through, you never see them together. He's always like off go-karting or on a <laughs> stag do. And she's always furious with him. And then when you finally see them together, you go, oh, look, they really love each other. That's why it works. Oh, this is great. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was a bit torn on that. There was a bit of me that's like, is that mm-hmm. the sort of the peep behind the curtain that you sort of don't need to see? It's I was right. I was a bit torn on it, but I know what you mean. It, I think that what they did with that last series is that it did have mm. um, some kind of emotional heft to it, whereas the first two series yeah. are just lo- like ludicrous and over the, over the top. Yeah, hil- and hilarious. Yeah, yeah, and I think that that worked because it did have, there was a sort of uh, an emotional red thread through that series. Yes. So I do think it worked on that level but there's a bit of me that's like oh, I'm just here for the stupidity of it all but <laughs> it, it, did, it did work yeah fantastic um <laughs> this I mean we were looking at this today um and I've been spending this is sound weird spending most of my day watching this this sounds weird but your playthrough <laughs> of Sonic the Hedgehog <laughs> oh why were you watching that <laughs> I mean, we were just doing like research. I was like, Tom, I've stumbled, I've stumbled across this. You've got to see this. Uh, I'm fascinated. You didn't watch all of it, did you? Because it took me three hours. I, I did. You, 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 you did uh, share a highlights reel. I so, truncated. Yeah. <laughs> I'm fascinated as to kind of where it came from, what it was like, um, and I'm like, yeah, I was just rubbish at games going up, so I was so bad at completing them. So just the completion of it bit well, was also yeah. I didn't get any better. <laughs> when, when I was a kid. When I was a kid, I loved Sonic. We had a Sega Master System and then we had a Sega Mega Drive. Like, I love Sonic and 
old 90s video games so much that I've done two entire shows about Sonic and Sega at the Edinburgh Fringe and was writing a third one called PlayStation when they invented a virus. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I couldn't take that up there. Uh, that'll be going on in 2022. But, like, I... It was Sonic's 30th birthday on June 23rd, I think. Um, and I went, I'm going to, which coincides with the fifth anniversary of Brexit, but we won't go there. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I said, like, on Twitch, I will play Sonic live, the first game for the, for the Mega Drive, until I've completed it. And I thought I might be there for eight hours. <laughs> I think it ended up taking just under three hours to complete it. But again, it was just with this text mm. box and so many people watching going, come on, Zeus, you can do it. And I was just dying over and over again. Um, but it, I, I think I, I, I love this stuff from my childhood and I love the fact that it's grown, it's almost grown with me, like what you love as a kid. If you still love it as an adult, you love it in a very different way. And I still think Sonic is amazing. <laughs> we, yeah, it was that thing at school where you were either like Mario or Sonic. It was proper like factions, yeah. wasn't it? It was the Nintendo um, Mega Drive kind of uh, yeah. Sega thing. So you, you always... Console Wars. Yeah, are you still like... Well, not you can still really be Sega, um, but you were very much kind of in the Sega camp. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't, yeah. Need to, I yeah. don't mean to make you jealous, Suze, but uh, this is terrible podcasting, but that, that's... I <gasps> met Sonic. You met him. <laughs> you met Sonic. I mean, this is terrible podcasting, but oh, this is a bit... I used to work for a subsidiary a company that was owned by Sega, so I used to go to their oh, building a bit. And uh, yeah, me and Sonic. He's a how amazing. He, um, he was very flattered. Um, <laughs> was he a very down to earth guy? Yeah, so humble. He was. So humble. So humble. He's not out for himself. Yeah. Whereas Mario, he's all about the fame. <laughs> yeah, yeah me, me and Nick were talking about this earlier. I'm very much Camp Sonic, and, uh, okay. and Nick is very much Team Mario, aren't you? I see. Yeah. He kept very quiet throughout that <laughs> session. There was no, yeah. But like yeah, I say, I, yeah, I was rubbish at I was just rubbish um, at, at games generally uh, growing up. And I always used to get used to get frustrated <laughs> that you couldn't really save games. So I like them now yeah. that I can. Do... That's the great thing. Yeah. Like the only reason that playthrough works because I kept saving it. Otherwise, <laughs> I would have kept getting game over. I was like, "Well, we're going back. We're going back to before I died just then." Yeah. To, I used to play Earthworm Jim was one of my favourites as well. Oh, a great I game. Loved Jim and I loved worms as well. Um, yeah. yeah, anything worm related. <laughs> yeah, clearly, yeah, clearly. Uh, and uh, uh, oh, what was it? Golden Axe and yeah, Streets Golden of Rage Axe and great. Double Dragon. Yeah, great games, great games. <laughs> all e- all excellent Sega output. <laughs> so that's about an hour of Alan chat. So it just remains to say thank you so much, Suze Kempner, for joining us. Uh, is there anything that you wish to plug or, or how people can sort of get in touch with you and follow you on various social medias? Sure. Thank you very much for having me. This has been a wonderful hour of Alan chat. <laughs> um, yeah, check my Twitter out, twitter.com slash suzuk, S-O-O-Z-U-K. I will periodically be on Twitch, uh, which is twitch.tv slash Kempner, all one word. And check out, I do two podcasts. I do... Mystery on the Rocks with comedians Chris Stokes and Masood Milas, where we solve real-life mysteries while getting hammered. I get the most drunk. Uh, yeah, Mystery on the Rocks, check that out. And I do the official Queen podcast with friend of this show, John Robbins. The only person to out-partridge and out-queen me. Um, <laughs> out-queen me. Um, so <laughs> check that out. We talk about Queen track by track. 
Yeah, ju- I just didn't do that very well, but use that. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, thank you very much, Sue, for joining us. Thank you. I was drinking. Oh, sorry. Sorry, again. <laughs> no, no, just use okay, that. Okay, great. <laughs> Cut. I am hopping mad, and I want something in the middle. Aha! Yup, absolutely. Yup, 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 absolutely. Monkey tennis. Bring, bring. There's a new chat in town. I had the last laugh. Done. Monkey tennis. Little pierce my foot on his thigh. With a chuckle, with a chuckle. No. Monkey tennis. Radical. Awesome. Mega. Monkey tennis. Where's my assistant? I do not know. Okay. Monkey tennis. Edmonds is a total wasp of a guy. Yes, 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 and yes. It's hotter than the sun. They said, who the hell is that? This is great banter. Yeah. Back of the net. Monkey tennis. The people who enjoy Alan Partridge will enjoy this podcast. The people who've never got it still won't get it. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.